0: Greetings, my name's Andrew Sumner. My grandfather, Pop Smythe, bought me my first comic book in Liverpool, England, when I was three years old. And I spent the next 50 years hurtling around the pop culture kaleidoscope, first as a fan, and then as a journalist, editor, publisher and presenter. Along the way, I met a bunch of interesting people who will be joining me here. Creators, performers, professionals and public servants. We live in divisive, fractured times, but art and popular culture connect people from all viewpoints and from all walks of life. I'm often struck by the passions people enjoy, that they can set aside their differences for and agree on, whatever those passions are, whether I share them or not. And that spark, that moment of instinctive, connective agreement, that's what I call a hard agree. i barbecue later, but right Me now too. I'm hiding. Yeah, the problem I've got, which I suspect from your skin tone you have also, is that I personally barbecue very easily myself, so uh, <laughs> sun is avoidance true. is the key. That is very true. Yeah. have you been, mate? Uh, busy. Yeah.
1: No change for me. All this stuff, no change. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still self-isolated. I'm still locked down, but then I have been for 12 years. So, you know, it's yeah. not much of a difference.
0: Exactly. I know exactly how you feel. I have, uh, after a life, as you know, of um, traveling all over the place for two decades, I- I've barely moved out of my lounge. Ever since the last time I was in the states was in February 2020, and that for me is a, a massive personal record to be yes. at home for that long. Completely well, unprecedented.
1: Willie, I've been to the states about six years, and I am going to San Diego in November, December for Thanksgiving. Really, mate? Because because a I thought it'd be quite interesting to see. Yeah. Because because it's going to be a very strange version of the show. Of course, it will indeed. Yeah. But also, it's over Thanksgiving, which is bizarre. Yeah. There we go. Also air tickets direct from London were about 380 quid. Wow, that's
0: amazing. That is amazing. That so is I thought I'd just gamble
1: a stamp. I'd gamble wow. a stamp. I'd get a bit of Airbnb action. And you know, if it all goes uh, tits up, then I haven't lost much.
0: Now you're tempting me to do some. I must admit, I've completely <laughs> written that off. I, I know. I think I'll stick with my plan not to travel to the US this year. I think. Fair I enough. think that's. I think that's where I'll stay. But that is I'll very interesting. MC, I'll, I'll
1: be doing MCM here, and I'll be doing yeah. uh, Thought Bubble as well. So you know, I've Amazing. got. I've got everything all
0: planned out. Oh, excellent. So, so when is MCM? H- October. I haven't got the exact date, but it's October. It's all kind of, op- uh, and thought, but it is October anyway, right? November. November. Yeah. Um, okay.
1: first, and, and then like two weeks after that, it's I'm off San Diego. So, no. La, la, la.
0: Yeah. That's fast uh, I'm fascinated as to what a November San Diego is going to look like, or indeed, yeah. if it's really going to be possible, because... or
1: oh, it, it might not go ahead. If it does not go ahead, I'm going to be sitting in the Gas Lab <laughs> District, writing Bleeding Cool, yeah. reporting on a convention that isn't
0: happening. Yeah. Be <laughs> That'll be awesome, actually, mate. I mean, I love San Diego anyway. as a city, I think. You. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I know you're you're also, a fellow... I, no- I have no idea what
1: America looks like for tourists during Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, I have no not a concept of what that even because any of the images of Thanksgiving you always get are like kind of like family occasions, gonna you know, say so Americans all yeah. sitting around the table eating turkey. Well, what happens to people? You know, I have no idea what happens if you are not part of that what, situation. If you now, if you're just stay stay in the country for a few days, now that no is something
0: I have some insight into So I've spent most Thanksgivings due to my work schedule. In the states for the yeah. last maybe ten years, and the, the the it's I mean obviously so I'm sitting in hotels and it is quite it is quite a a quiet and uh, lonely experience. I once went, I was once in New York during Thanksgiving and I went up the went up the Empire State Building and it was snowing. And it was completely ethereal, because I was the only person up there. Wow. And I was looking at a very quiet New, new York as The snow cool. fell down on it. And it was quite beautiful, actually, mate. I, I'd, yeah, something I'm I'd sure. recommend. I'm sure it, whatever happens, it's going to be a real adventure for you. Sounds
1: like, just like a Thursday in New York. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, well, yeah, exactly. I have no idea. what. That's the other thing. I can even picture what you say, but I've got no idea what San Diego looks like. Yeah. During that period. I haven't. I, I've got no reference, so I'm going to go and find out. It is weird. I was taking this to a friend of mine how I actually know downtown San Diego better than quite a few chunks of London or certainly most of
0: England. Because it's one of the things I, I know those those few blocks really well, and that's bizarre to consider. No, it's it's it's, it's the same for me, mate. Uh, it's like anything. And the interesting thing is, you go back, and if you go back on a regular basis, because because mm. we always go back, it's exactly twelve months apart, right? You get there. It is like you've never been away. You know, because you visit anywhere in your life that often on an annual basis, you get to know it really, really well. But, but you only see it in that period. Yeah, that's right. Really yeah, it. exactly.
1: So when, I, when I picture it, there's this huge big awnings everywhere, at comic suddenly yeah. all the big hotels are covered with posters. I, I don't actually know what it looks like when the, when, it has, when there isn't a large Megatron stuck in the middle yeah. of the street. So we'll see.
0: I mean, the, the answer is I've had quite a few meetings with the, the San Diego guys over the years, Justin and all that crew run the show. And which have involved going in at times that are not, you know, the height yeah. of the show. And it, the answer is it's beautiful, but it seems empty by comparison. You know, it seems, <laughs> of which it would, of course, because yes, I think well. they the Comic Con is one of two massive events they have. Mm-hmm. The other one being there's a big medical show they do there as well. Yeah. I have no concept of that whatsoever. <laughs> brilliant! That's amazing. Well, this is the right moment for me to say, cool. welcome to Hard Agree. I'm Andrew Sumner, and I'm here today with my special guest. God. Rich Johnson, founder of Bleeding Cool, I am comic book journalist supreme. I am not a journalist. <laughs> re- com- that. What, what term would that- you use, mate? I go with
1: a reporter. Journalism is, is a profession, reporting is a trade. Um, uh, interesting. No that's an interesting. No, I have no professional qualifications in journalism whatsoever. Therefore, I can no longer no, can no more call myself a journalist than a doctor who has you know, who received no medical training can call
0: himself a doctor.
1: No, it can't be done.
0: So, yeah. I love it. You've jumped straight to the heart of of what I wanted to ask you. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So what's always fascinated me about your uh, trajectory and your role within the comic business (laughs) is essentially, how does somebody from West Yorkshire who lives in South London end up becoming embedded in the heart of the comics industry from a you know professional information standpoint, from the vantage point that you had? Yeah, because it's okay. one thing being the guy who founded Bleeding Cornets, another thing being the guy who ran lying in the gutters for so many years. But how did you manage to insert yourself into the heart of things in the way that you did from at least a 3,000 mile distance? When it started, I, I started
1: reporting on comic books online in 1992. Yeah, As a result, I'm the longest standing digital reporter in the world. No one has been doing it. Not journalist, as as reporter. Yeah, well, you can tie it all in if you wish, you know, journalism um, reporting. But, but yeah, there's Rich, no one's been... In. Just I, to I interject, before, how I old adult. were you then, back in 92? I was... Oh, oh, oh 1920, I mean, 19 or 20. Okay, yeah, 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 right. Uh, university, what, well, university? And the university had this thing on the computers called the internet. Well, or rather, you know, it was very, very basic it was all text it was i got i got access to the Usenet news group Yeah. yeah okay. and then right, i and then and i just realized the stuff that des skin was putting out in comics national wasn't being read by americans yeah. so i just started nicking stuff from comics national and putting it up as a little kind of column and then that's just start to grow other people towards the stuff that i was writing and so i started finding all sorts of sources and then comics international started nicking stuff for me so it is it's very so
0: so how did you building that arsenal of sources you've got that's the work of yeah. 30 years though right so yeah was, was that was yeah. that the way it worked it was just incrementally you began incremental. to go
1: incremental yeah. absolutely incremental and eventually also some people who clearly hated what i doing was doing eventually just kind of become part of the furniture and it's kind of like oh we might as well Kind of thing because all yeah. these people, new people are far worse than rich, so you're better than the w you know to some degree. So, yeah, it's it seems over these over these you know, these decades, it seems to have, have worked out. It is ridiculous, this is the way that these things work, but yet yeah, it'll be
0: my th- oh, 30 years next year.
1: <gasps> That's wrong,
0: yeah. I that mean, it's, it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime yeah. of comic book reporting. Yeah,
1: well, it did, there are people writing, you can call the word born, yeah, when I started writing this stuff. Um yeah it's uh, uh the, the, i'll get people say oh i love you back in the day when you used to do stuff for comic book resources and i'm thinking well that was just you know that's halfway yeah. so yeah it's 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 a bizarre and i know i've no explanation this is a job that i do that i that didn't exist when i was a kid wondering what i do when i grew up it's clearly not anything that i sh- you should be able to make a living at but i am and i have you yeah. certainly you know, certainly should be able to bring up a Family in Southwest London, but yet, and it keeps going. And I've now got to the stage where, like I said, become part of the furniture. I'm now consulting for people, so I get a little freelance gigs consulting for one or two people here and there, which which is very handy. But yeah, I, I, it's 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 look, it's as peculiar to me as it is to you. Put it that way. Yeah.
0: But I think it's I think it's beautifully peculiar. And I love stories of people who are essentially are self-actualizing and have created their own career, which is what you've done, of course. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And and you know, to a degree, you're part of the establishment. You're not inside the oh, establishment yeah. running it, but you're right oh, there no, no, inside oh, of it. Yeah. Oh, utterly.
1: Oh, utterly and completely. Yeah. I'm I have a factor that has to be taken into account. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I uh, said it is part of the furniture. But I mean, it's only it's only happened because um of the economic crash 12 years ago when yeah. or 13 years ago when I was because I used to be working advertising that was my thing yeah. I, I remember the, that I the gutters on the side I was an advertising copywriter quite a good yeah. one won wards all this kind of nice stuff and then all the advertising agencies in London fired all their writers pretty yeah. much overnight and hardly anyone was hiring so I was like getting by with a little bit of um, freelance here and there and um, it was William William Christensen at Avatar Press who said that thing you do for Jonah at CBR every week how about you do it for me every day and I'll pay your mortgage? Yeah. And just had second child at the time. Really, really important thing for someone to say. So I started doing that. So we launched Bleeding Cool, part-time. I think I was doing four posts a day then, but that was it. And then time went on and kind of both my, I was doing a, was a, was a part-time creative director at another uh, agency. I was part-time Bleeding Cool. It was a strange mix-up. And they both kind of said, you're going to have to choose. You can't have your part-time. You gotta go full time, and I just thought I'll 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 do the reading cool because you know yeah. it was paid slightly less, but it was it was it was my heart. It was more, It was, because, uh, it was name your name own
0: it. construct. It was something that you brought. Something. I mean, I,
1: I, I own none of it, yeah. but I know my name is intrinsically tied into it, which is yeah. why I always get people saying, "How dare Rich Johnson write this thing about wrestling? I've never seen a wrestling match. I don't know. <laughs> it's nothing to do with me. It's <laughs> to do with other people. There's loads of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just one of many. I'm 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 a head writer of Bleeding Call. Cool. Yeah. There are other head writers, there are other editors, and there's editor-in-chief and publishers and general managers and all these things. But I am aware that, to some degree, people kind of conflate yeah. me and Bleeding Call, cool, which, you know, is not the worst thing in the
0: world. Mate, when you're the founder, when you're Louis B. Mayer, for example, and your your era passes, you know, your name's still on the door and you're still the person associated with it. And you're right, I don't think, I would say that every other, and there are some fine writers working for Bleeding Call, cool, but I would say that they're all more or less invisible, no matter how good they are, because Jude's terror. Uh, if yeah. you tell Jude Terror he's <laughs> invisible, yeah, yeah.
1: I think he's gonna I think he will track you down and hunt you like the dog the, the, you are. The, the
0: mysterious dude, Terry. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I need to pay him the, the respect that he is due. Let's go back in time for a second. And how was how did you transition? Also, into, well, in- right, but
1: there quite, quite, although there are quite a few others, I want to also jump on Hannibal Taboo, the senior <laughs> reviewer of uh, Bleeding Call. Cool. Again, I don't want to get any, any... Yeah, I just... I mean, there's many other there's many as well, but yeah, he's, he's also someone who I think... He's got a long-standing history. Yeah. and doing this kind of stuff. So he's for CBR. Uh, and course, and
0: be- when I'm speaking, it's just my opinion, you know, I mean, yeah, I, 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 to, to, I, my personal view is that Bleeding Cool is you and, and everybody else is a fan of how And I can tell there's some good writers working
1: for I, working for I don't because Hayden Booth. Of Ray course, Tate that's not your and, view. And, and, right and all those people, I, I mean, I see it all the time. So it's, it's, yeah. I can't, I can't
0: ever see that. I, I see a
1: very different picture from myself.
0: I, and that's very good. And I love the fact that you're essentially taking an anti-Stan Lee stance here. So, you know, we don't want to recreate that. Yeah, yeah. No, so what I, what I mean by that oh, is, I see, I see yeah, in his, in his yes. immortal interview in the late 60s where he's asked about the inner workings of Marvel, the writer credited him with almost... Sole responsibility for everything, and Stan happily went along with that, yeah. leading to one of his major fallouts with Jack. Right, I am aware. I, I have, yeah. I've done the same, perhaps, night na- taking the same, perhaps, naive journalistic stance, and you have debunked it, which is very good. That's your job. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. I like that. But oh, I would okay. do the That's same fine. thing myself if the series on the other foot. I'm merely talking about my own personal interaction with the clinical, *The clinical, which, which I always read. But uh, uh, but essentially, also the things that you cover are the things that are of much more interest to me than some yes, of the more that. general stories. And I, I get that. Well, the things that I cover are also
1: the things that are more general interest to me, more interest yeah. to me. So you know, we we have a similar event there. Oh, of course, um, of course. way oh, you same. love what I'm working on right now. This is going going up at today, so I'm not sure when this goes up, but it's been in the past. But yeah. I've got the. You remember when DC, before Dan Didio was fired? Yeah, it was all going to be the big DC timeline.
0: Absolutely be- right. I do recall
1: that. I have every single item on it. I'm about to run the full planned DC timeline before Dandidio was gone. It was binned with no redactions, everything in there. So you can see everything that, that, that they had planned out for what DC was meant to
0: look like in the past. Well, I Just will, look, I will look forward to reading that. I will very much. It's taking look me a good to while
1: to transcribe it all and, and yeah. zoom in on some of the details, but we've now got everything. We've also got the ages of all the characters, what, what they were meant to be. So basically, the plan was that by now, all like Batman, Superman, etc., they're all meant to be in their late 50s, early 60s. And that would have been, that was the plan now. So it's quite funny. Look, look, they still go, oh, okay, interesting. Okay, well, let's go with this. So this I, is what I anyway, love
0: about this is by the time wanted. people hear this episode and hear our conversation, this yes. reveal will, of course, be in the past. And oh. just hearing your excitement in real time <laughs> about actually opening that story up. See, this is why I think that, and uh, this is why, before we get back into the the the, pa- the, the time warp stuff that I want to talk about, the, this is what I think still very much works about Bleeding Cool and about what you write is. You're clearly still excited by all of this. Yeah. Uh, and, course, and that's yes. the thing, if you become jaded, if you become not interested in your subject matter, it can oh, kill what you it. write about. Yeah, I would not be doing it.
1: Uh, and I know per- other people in my similar position to mine, they have definitely got jaded. And 100%. They've gone and other things. I've seen sometimes sometimes they'll come back, which is also good to see. But um, yeah, there's quite a few people that's kind of like, well, why are you doing this then? Yeah, so well, it pays the bills. No, that's not. Lots of things could pay the bills. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I had choices, and this is the choice I made for. And, it, and it's not what I've regretted. It's what I'm absolutely happy I did. Because yeah, I, I, how, about I, yourself? how about
0: yourself? Are you, are you are you jaded? Do you still love it? No, not at all. I still love it. I'm not really Great. jaded by anything that we do at time because it all dialed hot wires into my interests. And the interesting thing is, once you work in the license the licensing side of the movie business, I'm no longer a movie journalist but I meet a lot of the same people just in the yes. course of doing my job. You know, you sit around and go, right, what are we going to do? What books are we going to produce? You know, are yeah. we going to work on spider into The Spider-Verse? Yes, we shall. That's just a great ride. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super enthusiastic about it. And, you know, as you can see, if you ever dial into what I, one of the things I do during my day job, which is present Forbidden Planet TV, that, that's yeah. genuine enthusiasm. That's not me faking it. I really am completely without cynicism when it comes to the the whole comic book pop culture industry business and and the art of it all i love it i absolutely love it so yeah no I, i'm probably happier than i've ever been to be honest mate
1: so you've now become the face of titan and forbidden players for many people
0: yeah and and it's kind of a role that uh, that i've been given and that I'm, I'm happy to do so to roll back in time yes how did uh, when you how did lying in the gutters first get involved with comic book resources and with jonah
1: Oh, uh that was I was doing things again, Lying of the Gutters was about half was about halfway through. I had already been doing columns for a variety of publications. I was i had done some for Silver Bullet comic books, which is now Comic Bulletin, which is called All the Rage. I did a very short stint called The Gutter Press for I remember Next this. Pl- for Next Planet Over. I used to love I, was, that. I was now I was it was David um Bogart who hired me to do that, and Eric Stevenson was my editor. And yeah. that, So you know, it's it's weird when I when I think about this, and that was the one that I think I think it was Kurt Busiek and Mark Wade got me kicked out of. And then I was, busy, so basically, I've done a few of these. I'd done it online previously, it's like my own website, and as the Arts Comics Misc column on on the Usenet before there were websites, all this kind of thing. And it was just Jonah Wyland who said, so why don't you come and do that thing for CBR, and we'll pay you money." And that was a that was that was a very nice idea. So I thought yeah, that's something good. I like the idea of money. So it was only, wasn't a lot, but it did it and it became their, their biggest column on CBR, of course, which of course was great. It did. Yeah. Which was great. And uh, for a good, lo- good long chunk. And so I kind of kept doing that, but that was a weekend thing. It was like a one column <coughs> that would run on Mondays. I'd write it over the weekend. And it so was something i did like, you have people
0: feeding you tips and stories during the oh, week yeah. and then you collated them over I would, the weekend? I,
1: I, would, I would research them. Yes. I'd get, I'd yeah. find stories and see stories and research them through the week. I'd write it. I'll put it on Saturday or Sunday, and it would then go up as a a huge, big, long, one big article that did very well. And that was how it was for about nine years. So it was, it ran for a good long chunk of time. And I said, until my own personal circumstances meant that taking it full time with another website was the way to go.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So, so that was the, tra- I always wondered what the transition point was, but it was essentially not being able to continue with your copywriting career was absolutely the moment that, that led yeah. To and, it.
1: And, and William Christensen offering me an, another solution. So, yeah. and that, and that has um, done us proud. Now, Avatar's main business is building cool.
0: So, it's uh, is, that, is that right? Is, oh is yeah. that, oh, that's great. That's so good. Yeah. That's, I, I love that. It's that, grown and grown. And, and, and that, yeah. So, it's great. That was 12 years ago, mate, right? That was 12. Did, yeah, 12 years ago, yes. Amazing, amazing. So when you look back on this 12-year run that you've had in the, in, in the with Bleeding Cool, what are the moments you're personally the proudest of? Oh, I don't know. I mean, getting stories. Yeah, of course, but there's got to be, those that, those I know, be, I know, because I've like. done this. There's got to be a yeah. bunch that jump out at you and you go, man, that was good. There's a few. It's the, the ones I like the best,
1: The one of the, ones where we run a story and everyone says we're lying yeah and everyone says they're just making it up they're just making it nonsense it's absolutely true not true and then some then two months three months six months sometimes two years later when it all kind of comes out they go oh well yeah maybe that one but the next one is definitely not true so those are quite good ones. so things like yeah lots of good ones at dc the new 52 reboots before watchmen all that kind of stuff and all the details all the very tiny little details and stuff those are always great to do um I'm trying to think now, oh, and I think about, oh, yeah, it's basically it's a whole bunch of different kind of stories. We generally seem to be the ones who jumped in there first. One of my favourites would have been when I got, I managed to sneak an advanced copy of the first appearance, of the new look Thor from Young Avengers, the night before it's meant to be published, the day before it's meant to be published, how I got it, that's beside the point. And I went to the Thor 2 premiere and I jumped over the barrier, dodged a couple of Disney security guards to run up to Tom Hiddleston to get a photo of him with a new copy of, the, of, t- of tomorrow's new look <laughs> uh, Loki from New Avengers and that went online and that took down Tumblr. I remember that. <laughs> it was just, that was, <laughs> ins- that was millions of millions of people coming out. It's like, oh, with the new look Loki. Oh. So that was, that was a good one and I, I don't think I'd be able to get away with that now. Also, yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm quite limber enough. Not
0: spry enough to do no, it. Anyway.
1: No, not quite as much. But that, yeah, things like that, those are good ones. But, so that kind of thing does kind of stick out. But uh, apart from that, it's generally just get, getting the scoop, getting the story in there first, and um, then just waiting for everybody else to catch up. I mean, some, some of the ones are things that people didn't even notice. Like we ran things like Amazon buying Comixology about two months before that was announced and stuff, and everyone just kind of ignored it. Oh, that's just nonsense. And then two months later, they go, hang on. Didn't that thick didn't that guy? So things like
0: that. Well, I, one of the things that fascinates me is that is that some of the deep dives into the business mechanics of comics, because of the nature of it, a lot of people find that quite dry. And I notice some of that doesn't really pop, like some of the more gossipy stuff that you do. That's, but that, actually, that's true. I, Sometimes I think, it's
1: the same, though. Sometimes it's I, the same. I mean, all the Ike Perlmutter stuff that we did. That was great, mate. That was great. Absolutely, I and mean, we 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 got the first so people good. who get also things like you know his 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 letter saying how all the super super films with strong female superhero films showing women were always unsuccessful. We got that one out there first. All this kind of stuff. So we were. Sorry, I remember. So. I remember that mate. But also the more fascinating thing is how we then discovered that especially Marvel Studios was using like um, Pearl Mutter as a kind of um, a sin eater. So if any if, if they if that if the studio has to make a decision which is going to be unpopular with the talent. They'll just blame what I like. Yeah. And they say, oh no. And 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 they and then they, they repeat it. So I don't know if you remember the thing about how they were saying Iron Man 3 didn't have a female villain because it wouldn't sell enough toys. Yeah, and that was right. all like Paul matter. I could nothing to do with that. It was clearly <laughs> it was the decision about the people making the film and they needed to have uh, an excuse to give to the talent or the actors and things like that. And they, so they came up with that one. So you, you get those along the lines as well that sometimes you, you do find these kind of like cartoony villains you can write about and do all the stuff they've done. And we certainly have done that. But also, it's never always quite that simple. There's always something mitigating here and there, which, 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 goes, which goes the other way. And I think <laughs> that's part of what the job is, 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 not, is not falling for the narrative. Yeah. I guess. It's all, often not just, but you always have to keep examining it and looking for the things, the contraindications as well, and reporting those as well.
0: So, well said, so, um, mate, because the truth is, real life uh, has far more nuance yeah. than, than a very simple black versus white story. And the thing about fandom as an entity in itself wants a simple good versus bad narrative and is always looking for that, but it's never that easy. And if you work in any kind of business and you have worked inside creative businesses for a long time, I've spent my entire career doing it, things are never simple. And often the reasons for stuff happening which doesn't make any sense or are a bad idea, they're often far more mundane than people suspect. And often, you know, bad decisions get made not just because you have strong personalities going. I am or I'm not doing that, but they happen for a whole <coughs> universe of reasons that are in fact very boring.
1: Yeah, absolutely, very, very true. Yes, uh, so, but it's quite. But that, that's the kind of stuff that I like to get my get down and dirty with, get really involved with, and see all the different aspects. That is definitely the stuff that I feel I'm, I'm, at, my, I'm at my I'm at my best when I can get into things like that. That I means things like the dream wave, days when um they weren't paying anybody and we were finding all the all the stuff that company was doing and all the very dodgy stuff they were up to Th- those are the kind of things where you can just dive in and there's like hundreds of stories if you keep looking because has yeah. actually looked at that point and there's just loads of stuff so that that's always a good one when you can when you can almost like it's like when you're mining and you get some, a, a new a new stream of gold that no one else has found and there's so much in there you just have to keep digging and digging yeah. and you keep finding more and then, of course, that brings all the other people who, who also want to come along and find it as well. But you know, you're ahead there, and you're trying to find the next, the next big stream of whatever you're looking for. So that's and, and that at that moment, that's probably the 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 best it feels when you're actually getting all this all these hunks of new information that no one else has seen, and everybody else, everybody's going to be fascinated by. It. And all the other prospectors are like in in about like two 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 valleys east. and They haven't quite got to yours yet. So it's uh yeah. That's, that's when it feels the best. That's when you really feel like you are felt
0: Mate, I, I can see that. And again, your, your, your enthusiasm is unmistakable when you talk about it. What, one of the things that you've done over the years, I love the regular ongoing stories that you come back to. Now, I forget the chap's name, but you'll know it. There's, a, there's an artist who's notorious for duping and fleecing people online. And you've come back and covered this guy which many Because times. I'm sorry, you, there's quite a few. There's quite here. a few. There's a particular one who comes who has a variety of aliases. Oh, we're talking
1: about Josh Hoops,
0: correct? Josh Hoops. Yes, yes exactly. I'm, I haven't gone back to
1: Josh for a while, yeah. but yes, he, yeah. because he kept doing the same same con job time after time after time. Yeah. And as far as I can tell now, he has finally stopped. There He's we go. not doing it anymore, and I haven't heard any more. And I, every now and then, I put little searches out to see if there's any any vestigial traces, but no, he seems to have stopped but yeah that was that was a definite let's keep returning to that guy because again you keep finding out new bits of information and new things would come to light and you go well that, that's ridiculous and it was the okay it was the day when the two of them combined because we also did a thing on an artist called rob Brunito, who made a big made his career out of copying other people's artwork and selling it at conventions that was his thing and we we kind of like Tackled it. We'd done all this stuff. We'd pointed out everything he was stealing from. We've got people going up to his conventions and saying, "This is my work. How dare you?" I read about it on Bleeding Cool. All this kind of thing. And then there was the day when I was talking to his wife online, and she was berating me for all the terrible things i have been saying about her husband, uh, which was, you know, I had. And they said, "Anyway, we're going to we're going to we're going to show you all. Should we call it everybody else all? Because we're going to go. We've we've got a new publishing imprint that we're going to launch our own comic books. We're going to publish all original work." And we're, we're working with other live and artists, and we're going to put them all out, and it's going to be wonderful. And he's, and well, who, who's this? And his, name, his name's Josh, and we've got a whole line lined up of five books. And I literally had to pause, and I just went, "Is it Josh? Josh Hoops?" And she went, "Yes." How did you know? And I was like, "Just run!" run! It was, oh, <laughs> to some degree, I felt really sorry for Rob because I, because they were totally different worlds. spot. Rob was just basically kind of nicking people's stuff and selling them his own, which is a certain level. Josh Hoops was engaged in absolute levels of fraud. He was representing himself as other artists, getting work as if he was Art Adams, and then just taking the money and running, all this kind of stuff. And it was just the real, at that moment I felt really sorry for Rob because he was about to be taken to the cleaners by someone who'd just seen a grift. And I I tried to warn her and I tried to say just, but she, would, she wouldn't listen to me. She said, no, he's, he's a genuine thing. He's absolutely wonderful. I sent her a few links. I don't know what ever happened. The line was never published, of course. Of course, but, um, of course. But it was the moment where they kind of like just combined and I just had to write the the article. Rob Goodito is teaming up with Josh Hoops. And it just felt like, look, that felt like the, when you write The Avengers, that's like the crossover you can't quite no. get in your head. When two it- totally different stories and worlds become the same thing. It's JLA yeah.
0: versus the Avengers, isn't it? You know, that's it,
1: kind of what it was. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but, uh, but, but nobody wins. The so, JLA was,
0: uh, versus the Avengers of extreme fraud. I mean, that, a story like that, when you're in the middle of it, oh, you must have been, way. my God, how, how blessed and am so, I to be getting this in real time? The
1: legal, the legal aspects, I mean, everything of that has to be goes through by the lawyers Have you checked these? Have you checked these sources? And the Josh Hoop stuff, they always come back and saying, "But is this true? And I go, yes, here's, here's all the evidence. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. How about this? Yes, that's as well. That's fine. So you have to go through all that. Those are the big stories. They take time, but man, they're satisfying when they come through. From- <laughs> right. Oh. And I think that, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, the one <coughs> where I must have had my heart and my mouth most, I think was when we first started reporting about the actions of DC editor, Eddie Baganza, because that's oh, the that yeah, time right when on. no one that senior had been exposed to those kind of actions and it, it kept the help. that was one very specific thing that happened at WonderCon Hotel Lobby, which was witnessed by about 18 people, all of whom emailed me in the morning. So I woke up to it. So that was really useful to have a lot Could of you, people. So you had multiple
0: in. mass verification. Yes.
1: And once you get that chink in, then you can start to open up. And then other stuff came up. And then BuzzFeed did an amazing article as well. And then a lot more people kind of like in. But that was a kind of a turning point, I think, in the industry, because that made a lot of previous stories that had to taken as seriously they were seen in new lights, but I mean, that's like this before the Me Too uh, movement and things, yeah, but that's right really coming to its own kind of like beginnings yeah, of right on. examining examining the actions of some of the people who, who worked in it. And that then spelled out into all sorts of people. But that's, that was, I, I always I look back and think, you know, there's not many things I can say, you know, I helped people, but you know, but that that thing there, that little moment there, taking that jump and saying, so let, let's just do it. Let's just name him, got all this cooperation. We just have to, yeah. You know, we're going to have to do this. Was that decision there? I thought, well, that might have helped and that might have helped more people in the long run. So well, I'm, I'm it, sure It helped it did. other people, other, other people as well on the line. So yeah. if I look back, I'll go with that little moment as a place that maybe I, I helped some people. So that was a good question. I, I, I,
0: I, I think you, I think it's it all very important. I think what you did there was very important. You know, and I, oh, no. I would say other people did a lot more. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 but you were part of a machine that that was delivering an important outcome because I guess that stuff kind of ran in parallel with the stuff about Brownstein at uh, CBLDF, right? Now that came a lot later. Oh, 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 oh was oh, it oh, later?
1: But the first, first of all, all that the stuff with Brownstein was in the nineties, was in the nineties, early nineties, nineties, yeah, okay. and I think oh, it was late nineties or uh, either way, it was it was yeah. But he he survived for a long time, didn't he? Well, yeah, the, I the that did come up, but it wasn't okay. I just something it wasn't considered a serious. It was a thing, and looking yeah. back at it, it, it. It's one of these things you say. Uh, oh, it was a different time. It was definitely considered serious by the number of people at the time, and a lot of people just like wouldn't not work with Brantino CBLDF as a result. But certainly me and a lot of other people, we didn't take it as serious as we should have done. And there were also the idea of like false equivalency, well, he said, she said, kind of aspects that were. At the, you know, at the time everybody did. Look back now, and you think actually that was the wrong that was the wrong decision, that's wrong decisions to make because we were learning. We did we didn't know, and there's not just me. There's a bunch of us. We didn't actually get the scope, the seriousness. So we actually had, had to educate ourselves. And as uh, a sad thing, that that's definitely not the finest hour. Things basically got a bit better later, and we learned. I mean, there are other other examples as well. So the stories that if I go back now with with hindsight, I would I would have covered it out or covered better. But at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. Again, like I said, it's, it's, you know, it's a report, not a journalist. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you learn on the job. These days, I think our responses are a lot stronger, um, a lot more um, robust, but they also have to go through a lot more like, uh, legalese. We have to check things. Yep, you know, we've, sure. we've, now, we've now got procedures. Caitlin Booth, Editor-in-Chief of Bleeding Cool, has set up uh, basically a series of procedures for these kind of stories. It always has to be done with the, the, the victim's permission and especially we, we can never run a story if the person involved doesn't want it to run or doesn't want us to run it things like that so there's a, which i think you know i previously in you know, years and years ago i thought well it's news it's it's, it's out there it runs sure i would uh, so again things things have changed so we have got these kind of procedures now which w- wasn't even on the table before now so it so yeah you can look at look back and think how you tell you would have done things differently but the best thing you can do them i guess is, is to do them differently now
0: yeah yeah. Uh, uh, well said. I, th- I think. I think. I think. I think that's exactly right. It's exactly right. When you so, I I I feel the resonance of of the importance of 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 those stories to you, and I, I think you definitely contributed to some. An extremely positive turn of events within the comic book industry, and the comic book industry was certainly, to a degree, on the cutting edge of some of those those movements that benefits everybody benefited everybody. I think, and they're important to recognise and embrace. Um, outside of that, and outside of the the the, the stories you, you've just taken me through, to step away from the the effect of your work and to to get into your your personal fandom what are Darren. the things that what are the thing what are the what are the books what are the titles what, what are the things that, as a comics fan that you you've responded to the most positively yourself over the years what, what are your favorite things and that the you know that in in, in 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 the art of it all to come out of the industry there's a few there's a few
1: that i still actually the ones i what haven't actually been widely as widely recognized especially those are the ones that I would always... The work of the late Terry Wiley with, with, uh, with uh, Jenny McKinnon and uh, the, the, the Sleeze Castle books yeah, um, right especially yeah. are, I, I consider almost like the, the Lost Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in yeah. Britain. They're one of the finest sci-fi comedies with g- incredible skill learnt from the, fi- from the masters. And it the Sleeze Castle books are some of the best, I think, are the best comic books, um, some of the best comic books Britain has ever produced. Away from that, things like uh, Longshot Comics by Shane Simmons, which is the which is, did you, did you know that one?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah.
1: That the, the, the tiny little dots, all it is yeah. characters that are dots. It's almost the, the repudiation of the idea that in comic books, so which, who's more important? The writer, of the artist. And people say, yeah. well, that, that we'll always have that argument. And anyway, it's, so, well, you couldn't have the comic book without an artist. Well, long shot comics is the comic shop, with, is the comic book without an artist. Except, of course, it is an artist, it's doing it as tiny little dots. Yeah. And the idea of having a huge multi generational, multi centennial. Saga, the kind of there's huge, like, there's to be like, 19th, 19th century novels, but funny and set across this, um, this panoply of, 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 of history that is sensational. And I, I will push that. It's also really easy, it's a really easy book to read, and you can push on people, and they just start laughing almost straight away before they start getting into the whole history of it. So, those are those are two, um, others that, that stick out. Oh, I mean, the, the work of Posy Simmons, uh, yeah, the graphic novels okay. of Posy Simmons are s- sensational. And again, I think... again I,
0: I completely agree. I completely they, agree with
1: that. They, 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 they tap into something like British middle-classness especially, which I think is just perfectly both both um, represented, celebrated, and parodied on the page. And they're just... I, I can dive into those and be very, very happy for a very long time. Work of Dave Sim, who yeah. is very much... Uh, it's been basically kind of pushed out. He's definitely been cancelled these days uh, for all sorts of good reasons. But his work stands out as... Um, being absolutely sensational in as a as a crafts and also utterly batshit crazy, the yeah. longer he goes in into the most yeah. strange, yeah. weirdest, twisted conspiracy. But he, he's. He's like he's got that kind of like kind of ditko kind of aspect to him and i think well, well
0: just to interject and agree i think the interesting thing about sim is he's he's such an amazing artist such an amazing craftsman but over a period of time while his creative powers maintain are maintained you kind of watch the unraveling of his brain as you read his work yeah, but i get it's actually quite entertaining but uh, yeah
1: it is and and he and he, he gets better as as he gets it's crazy. I would say, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. so. I
0: agree. I agree completely.
1: I mean, some of my favourite stuff was his, which was later in the period. It's a book, the one of the books called Guys, which was set in a pub. Yeah. And it's all kind of characters from self-publishing at the time, who yeah. all turn up as kind of like guests, characters, and that. And oh, I'm totally down for that. That was that was a grand place to, to be. So, so so definitely books like that. What else has been sticking out for me of I, I okay. Here's something. Um again, okay, celebrating the people who aren't quite celebrated. I'm looking at people like um the writer Alex DeCampi. I think she's basically our next A-level codebook writer on a level of Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, and very few other people. And I don't think enough people are actually tagged into what she's doing. She's incredibly clever at writing a, a wide variety of stuff to the highest possible level and innovating, never being satisfied with the medium as it is, trying something new. And that is really exciting and fun to see. So I'm always looking forward to a new out uh, to campy project, whatever it may be. She does and have you work, have you read Madame? Yes.
0: It's great stuff, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely.
1: Well think here's the other thing. She she rubs people up the wrong way. Definitely does. Definitely the big publishers, they've got they've always had massive problems with them. But that's been true of you know all sorts of creators. It wow. would, would be a great one to be to throw up. And it generally comes down to her having exacting high standards and not what wishing to I remember that she she basically she she the reason she doesn't get any work at Marvel is because she turned down a book that she was going to be writing because she didn't like the artist and said I can't work with this hard we have to have a better artist and she was right in the end it was written by somebody else and they ended up having another, another artist anyway but that's the moment I look back at the yeah that's why you didn't get any more work from Marvel because you turned them down kind of thing so um and also, you know she's quite um happy to just to, to, to speak her mind without um dulling it down but her work I mean she, she she basically created the motion comic that kind of did the motion digital comic with uh, Valentine for comicsology. She basically made comicsology come up with a new way of of having a comic book on the page. Things like that. Uh, time and time again, she innovates and she she celebrates, she brings in the other creators to work with her. You're right, she worked with Duncan Jones, Maddie, and stuff, but also things like Jack and the Motherfucker, which took yeah. a which had an artist who at that time was best known for all ages work. Yeah. And they just did the most amazing piece of work together. I mean, that was an amazing graphic novel from from Image and was one of the and became one of their better sellers of the year. So I bet that went into a lot of people. I, I, I'm always going to be interested in to see what she comes up with next because she's always doing something interesting. I mean, she has all these other strings of both. She, she's a director. She's, she's, she directed videos for Amanda Palmer. She did the Leeds United video, which is one of my favourites, the Papini Sisters. Oh, yeah, man,
0: those, those Papini Sisters videos are great. They're yes. really good. But this is what I mean. She, I, I, and I don't think she...
1: It's one of these people I think we're lucky to. She really likes comics and she really wants to yeah. do comics. She's doing other stuff. She's writing TV, she's writing films and things, all these kind of things. But she really likes comics and wants to keep doing them. And those are the kind of people I think we need to celebrate and recognise. It's the it's the absolute geniuses who could be doing other things. Yeah. But nevertheless, have decided to stick with comics because they can't leave. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's and and yeah. So those those are definitely the people I like to jump on. Uh, who else am I looking at? There's one person I'm really interested in because she's had a hell of a history in the industry and gen- in life generally. T. Franklin, who she wrote the Bingo Love book from Image Comics, and she has a, a fractious relationship with all sorts of people over the years as well. She's writing the new Harley Quinn Poison Ivy comic for DC. It's a, a spin off of, the, of the, anime. <clears throat> the animated series. And she's absolutely the perfect person because she is. You've no idea what the hell she's going to say or do. At any point, she can spin off into a huge, furious squeed But one thing or another, she's but it's absolutely amazing and fun, so fun to, to, to read. And you know, sometimes get educated. What she's going to do with something like Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, I have no idea. I can't wait to see, and that's going to be published in a, in a few months. People, some people have said the, they've seen some of the pages coming through, and it's just like, well, you you know, the Harley Quinn um, TV series, the, the animation, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I love it. You, you,
0: it, it's, it was quite a surprise in its tone when that came um, out. Oh, absolutely. I get that. Yeah, They were very well, bold in grasping that in yeah. such a full-blooded way. Absolutely. Well, uh, apparently T is going
1: to be taking that and just taking it another stage forward. Telling it so, up to 11. That's what I like I, to I, hear. No, that would no, be I, amazing. No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm surprised that Warner's going to publish this, put it that way. So, But yeah. then I was surprised that Warner's put out the Harley Quinn animated series itself. So... Yeah, th-
0: that animated show is is a uh, source of great entertainment for myself and my daughter, and that's our that's our like one of our dad daughter projects is 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 that show. So also, I think.
1: It also, it, well, it also demonstrated a massive big divide within DC Comics at the time because you had a group of people who are basically wanting characters to go back to their just the way they were originally presented. Um, so you'd have like Poison Ivy as the villain and yeah. Harley Quinn as Joker's girlfriend, all the kind of stuff, all, all, all trying to move more into that as, as the action adventure. Well, you had another set, who were going, no, this is clearly not the way to go. Harley and Poison Ivy are, are a couple, they're having these yeah. wacky adventures. These are much more the way we should be going. And you they tugged and they were, and you had all these various projects, which will go one way or the other. And you could see, you basically could see the thumbprints of editorial in various different competing press releases. And we naturally collated them all, yes. pointed out all the differences. And then uh, it seemed that just warn- Warners fired half of them. And so yeah. then that the, the problem was no longer... An issue, yeah, all there's the, no, the, more the, the, going, no more tension because no more staff. Because it, well, it's kind of, it's a bit like all the people who are on one side, suddenly found they didn't have a job anymore. And so yeah. it's like, oh, we've won by... So they were like, we've kind of won by default. <laughs> but, uh, don't say too much, just keep going. Otherwise they'll fire us as well. But yeah, yeah it was a very strange... Situation, to see, because we've seen that that's been the big. I think the biggest change, certainly in direct market books has been the change at DC Comics more than anything else in the oh, way they it, do it, business. It, it,
0: absolutely, it, it,
1: it's huge, mate. It's huge. Yeah. And we haven't seen the impact so far as much. I mean, you've got people like Marie Javins who is basically doing the work of uh, ten men from Hawaii. And so she's in Hawaii, not yeah, ten of men course, from yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you, you're seeing a lot of plates being spent and some great stuff being being put out by these by these folk. It's it's almost like a lot of the stuff that's happening seems to be done almost like by default back, since this is where we are. So some people who are do, do some grand work for DC, it's kind of like, that's not what you should have been doing this, this time. It's just you happen to be there. I always remember when, I think it was Bob talking about when X-Men and had Fabian, Fabian doing stuff, and Chris Clement had left, and they needed somebody else to fill in to do the next few issues, and they just didn't know of anybody. And then Scott Lobdell walked past the door. Yeah. And, that- and Fabian kind of went, what, well, Really? Yeah. He'll do. And then yeah. so that you have that kind of career. Well, there's something, I think there's certain people at DC who have basically, as I say, someone like Ram V, fantastic writer, does some great graphic novel yeah. work and stuff. And um, he's at DC, he seems to have been, he picked up because he was teaching he some interesting stuff and then everything just fell apart. But he was there. Oh, I'll give it to him. Oh, will give it to him. And suddenly he's got three books, he's got three, three months of books yeah. at DC. And you kind of think that, that that's fantastic because A, he's a great writer. It's wonderful to see him take, be taking advantage of the opportunities that have been presented yeah. to him. Yeah. But man, the circumstances that led to those opportunities are insane. And I look forward to seeing I, I the think
0: history. I think you've touched upon a very rich scene, which again, I, I think a lot of people out there in fandom don't really understand is that the level that corporate chaos, the huge effect and yeah. shadow it casts over creativity. And the fact that a lot of things that turn out to be creatively brilliant happen for a million other reasons and somebody had a grand design. They had to these accidents.
1: You look, you look back, you look at things like the what, 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 uh, Diskins Warrior magazine. Alan yeah. was, was no, never planned to be writing three strips for that book. He was the third choice to write marvel Man in the, in the first place. So the fact that he was an ending v for and Bo Jeffries saga, and then writing lots of other stuff, he was, basically, he was, he was, he was there. Yeah. He was A, he was great. B, he was there. And so his work just kind of kept growing. There's this whole, it's the, it's the Hamilton song, you know, you got to be in the room where it happens. And, right if, and if you are, Absolutely. all these things are, are possibly yeah. there. But getting into that room in the first place is not always
0: easy. No, it's so true. I, I spoke to Fabian a couple of weeks ago, actually. And, and one of the interesting things he had to say was because in his editorial role, he was mainly mm. looking after license titles, which haven't lived on in the popular imagination, but most of his working day when he was on staff at Marvel, once he moved out of promotions and advertising, was spent marshalling licensed work, which very few people remember. A lot of what he did with his writing career was really affected by his workload from the license book. That's how you get the whole Scott Lobdell incident. It's just about bandwidth. And it's like, I can't yeah. physically do what you're asking me to do. That guy he can do it. And that happens so often and it's I, I, invisible outside, I think. Also, I mean it, it can be it can be a dangerous
1: thing. It's not not entirely a great thing because it, it no. basically this is how you get a whole bunch of white middle class male writers writing comics from most of this history because exactly. they happen to be there. Yeah and right so you happen to be there. Your friends, you've part of the same social structure, social strata. I know somebody who knows someone. What we're now seeing is, and I think partially the internet, partially social more is, is basically that just opening up. Yeah. And you're seeing things like the success in, in, in other areas. being. I mean, I'm looking at the success in graphic novels in America right now. I was just doing a piece right now because some people are going, oh, it's all about manga. It's all imported mangas coming in and it's out doing all the Marvel and DC stuff. And it's destroying local talent. And I just have to point out that last this year, the best-selling manga in the US, uh, which was the latest volume of My Hero Academia, Academia was outsold 10 times by Dav Pilker's new Dogman, volume because academia that sold a whopping 86,000 volumes of its latest volume, whereas Dogman sold 860,000. Wow. And you look at those figures, you think, no, something else is going on. And that is where Marvel and DC want to be more than anywhere else. They it's not so much it's not it they want to be in the bookstores, but they want to be in the bookstores through the younger readers. And you're going to see a lot more of that of that change. It's lot that that DC have definitely pivoted to do it themselves. Marvel are going up with Scholastic to do it as a kind of a licensed thing. All those IDW Marvel books that have been publishing to not great numbers, but that's building up a massive backstop of of, of kids Marvel books, which are going to hit those bookstores at some point. Uh, it's going to be huge. And here's the thing: I also see this as the, the the equivalent of the new newsstand bookstores, especially in America, are building an audience. Comic books that will last a lifetime. Right now, we know here's if eight hundred sixty thousand people bought Dogman, that was not multiple copies, that was one copy each, probably shared between two or three of them. So you definitely got over a million people reading that book. How many of those in 10 years' time will someone be reading comics? If it's if it's 10%, you've still just added another hundred thousand readers into the marketplace. So if I was that kind of publisher, I'd be looking for doing also having kids and YA books, sure. But start on your adult books because those kids are growing up. By the time they're 20, 21, they won't want to be reading Dogman, but they might want to read Daft Pilker's The Dogman Returns, The Dogman Strike Black. Who knows? There's going to be stuff that will be available. And if you can tap into those people now and start working on, almost get ahead of them, work out all these people who are buying this stuff now, where will they be in 10 years' time? Start working for that now. There's all sorts of possibilities out there. I think Ah. that... The, the comic medium and the comic industry is going to be rich and there's so much future, so much potential in print as well as digital. It just, We just, you know, it's, it's going to have to take people to realise it. And we, we, might, we might have to wait a few more years for people to age. But I think, I, I
0: think you're really onto something with this, Rich. Uh, I've seen echoes of this, kind of thought of yours before. And I think you're really tapping into something that's, that's absolutely there, I can see it myself.
1: Yeah, it's interesting
0: to see. It's, it's an interesting time,
1: you know, whether that's the Chinese definition or not, but it's definitely, with all, this, all, the, all the eruptions in the industry, and some of these, I mean, you can see it's just like short-term studio owner decisions for the bottom line in the, in the immediacy. But, you know, they're, they're keeping hold of everything. They're, no one's getting rid of anything. Marvel aren't selling, you know, Disney aren't selling Marvel. Warner Brothers aren't selling DC. It's just, this is the way things are. It's people are making changes, but they're, they're still looking for, for the future, I guess. Some of them have definitely got their eyes on 20 years hence. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to see where this all goes, and I, I, who I, I, else and who else will step up. Yeah, I mean, right on, right on. It's interesting because I mean, like looking at see like Netflix buying Millerworld, and they haven't seen the great success from that so far. Yeah. Jupiter's Legacy was cancelled and the like. But the thing is, they own it all.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's the it's sort of the idea that people who are reading this were twenty now, in twenty years' time they'll be forty, and maybe that's when you make your adaptation of whatever Millerworld you want to you want to pick. You just do it twenty years later because you still own it.
0: Right and they, if you buy it, you
1: buy it in perpetuity. That's you just put the it in the point. bank, and you wait until the industry grows up to appreciate what you really like. So, and that's what you, you've seen that with all sorts of stuff. Whether that, I mean look, the success of the Transformers films, or even the X Men uh-huh. uh, films, were based yeah. on the people who liked it twenty they years. you really liked the cartoon? Yeah, for sure. The cartoon, absolutely. It's all about the cartoon. The, the X Men film was all about the cartoon, and and those people growing up. So it's. I'm interested to see what will happen based on the stuff that's coming out now, when all the people reading it now. Uh, uh, then studio heads,
0: in I, well, years it's it's absolutely generational delivery, uh, and that's why a generation. That's, a good, back, that's a good phrase. Is that your yeah, phrase? I like it, it is. That is my phrase. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and I, like uh, I just I just made it up here and now. But generational it's absolute, delivery. Generational delivery. It's the key because that's why 10, 15, 20 years, twenty years ago, you get all those. You get all those classic TV shows turned into movies. Some of them work, and some of them don't. But the ones that work, like the Adams family. They make big money. I'm not saying necessarily artistically, but from a financial point of view, that's the model, isn't it? You you, you look at what kids are obsessing about now, and you double down on it. 15, 20 years later, and it, it, yeah. some time again.
1: If I was a major, if I, if I was a branded industry with a, with a strong brand, I would advertise on kids television
0: because yes.
1: it's cheap. And in twenty years time, they're your customers. I bought um, well ago now, but I, I bought uh, double glazing from Everest. Why? Because I remember the Everest ads. <laughs> yeah, ten miles. Yeah. Yeah, so buy the best Everest. So like it's, it, but that sticks. Those kind of stuff stick in your head.
0: They're yeah. saying generational delivery. I like that. I'm going to use yeah. that if you don't use so, it. So Kate, no, you can you can definitely I, use it on my behalf. You know, yeah. I, I, if you want to credit me, I don't mind. I'll, I'll be. I won't I won't. No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> well, of course, won't. So, mate, I I'll, I'll love where this conversation has gone. Something. Uh, some. There's a couple of other things I wanted to touch upon. One is from your own bibliography. So, okay. the thing is, you've, cre- you've okay. actually created a fair amount of books over the years. A few. A yeah. few
1: yeah, every <laughs> now and then, I've always got a few in, in uh, going around the place. Absolutely. You, ab- yes. you
0: actually have. W- w- which, which is your favourite project that you created? Possibly The Flying Friar. I like that a lot. Oh, that's man. My, uh, that's well, it's really interesting to say that. That is my favourite piece of work of yours. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That I was like The, the Flying Friar.
1: Yes, that was the uh, retelling the Superman story in 16th century Italy yeah. with a real. Life monk or who could actually apparently fly uh bishop's story, and his his best friend, the grand nephew of uh, of Martin Luther, Lux Luther. And it was a very, it was, it was religion versus science at a, at a time when the, when it was the opposite way around. So where, where religion was in the ascendancy and science wasn't. So it was doing the, doing the Superman story, but just at a very, very different time. And I like doing that. That was a lot of fun. I also have a lot of, I have a very soft spot for hold up. Yeah, which was okay. My um American isolationist gun running. It was basically it was, it was basically the Adams family, but with guns kind of thing instead of horror. Yeah, well, and that, that was I, about 15,
0: 16 years ago you yeah, did that right yeah I, I, yeah, I have
1: a lot of I have a lot of fond memories for that. And that was that was quite a ridiculous over the top series that thankfully Avatar chose to publish. That was before Regan Call, cool, so that was my first in with Avatar. So those are quite good. Um, I thought was, you, chose...
0: your Doctor Who book was pretty good to be honest. Your, your that book. Of, now that's the idea that I'd had
1: since I was about 14. Yeah. And I think we've all got a Who idea. I've got, maybe we've got a couple of others, but that was, I. I and I remember when I was asked by IDW to pitch for it, I thought, oh, okay. And so we want, we want three ideas, so we can send it to the BBC and they could tell them which one. So I basically decided, this is the story I wanted to do, this, this, this backwards uh, murder mystery. And, but I was asked to be given three. So I had to, I basically went online and I found out the stories that were being rejected at the BBC for spurious reasons, various reasons. And I basically pitched two other ideas that I knew would be rejected for other reasons. So they'd have to go with this third one. And they did, and it was great. So yeah. So yeah. it was I, I so yeah, and I have a lot of I have a lot of fun. Yeah, stuff I've written, especially. Room with a deja
0: view. Room with
1: a deja view. Yes, that yeah. was the one. It was it was, yes, yeah, someone gets murdered, but then but the but the murderer is living in the opposite direction along the timeline. An entire species yeah. that, that that exists. Well, the, yeah. now that people have seen Tenet. It might yeah. do them a little bit better. They, they get the idea of living backwards on the timeline. Well, so, I, I would
0: I, argue that your Doctor Who comic is actually it's actually better delivered than Tenet is, which uh, more I, comprehensible. I, I, I think is a particularly beautifully made but weak, structurally weak piece of... Well, the, the trick with my comic book,
1: which you couldn't do with Tenet, is because I, I used the strength of the comic book, which in the comic book, you can go back. Right. You can read backwards if you want. So yeah. I was able to ha- set whole scenes, which then if you read backwards made more sense. It's hard yeah. to do that when you're sitting in the cinema watching a film to go back. The, the, the best trick for Tenet is to watch it again as a sequel to itself and a yeah. prequel to itself. But, I um, think that's
0: a good I, idea.
1: I hear, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that I took advantage of the medium, which was you can read it backwards and and that worked. I did things like colour coding. So I used the, from the Doctor Who TV series where when the target is going through the time tunnel if it's red it's going backwards if it's blue it's going forwards. So I'd use those as the uh, borders. So anytime you could see whether this was better to be read backwards or forwards. And if it's both at the same time, which there were some, you'd have like a split colour on either side. So the colour would reflect which part was going backwards and which part was going forwards. And I put a little note at the very beginning just saying some parts of this comic book read better backwards and forwards. <laughs> and to let people go. And I I did get some and also the nice thing about doing that is that I'm now part of a Doctor Who kind of canon and law. Yeah. I'm always a footnote. I'm always an asterisk now. Exactly. That's quite nice place to be. So that was quite uh, fun, but that's the only thing that I've like that I've written for the open market because um oh of course yeah I, I associate with some licenses, but other it's other because watches. you've
0: done quite a few parodies.
1: Uh, I done some parodies, yeah. Yes, pa- parodies are up my other way doing it, things like the Avengers and or the X Lies and yeah, Watchmench yeah, and all wardrobe. that stuff. Yeah, watch ah, watchmench was so much fun. I got I, I got the nicest. I have the sense that you really difference. enjoyed that
0: book doing that book.
1: Yeah, I mean that took a lot that's probably the one that took the longest to write. Yeah. And then and then I found someone in um uh, Simon Warmuller who could do a really good little take on Dave Gibbons. It's good enough, and it worked. And Dave loved it. He yeah. sent me a note saying something along the lines of I laughed out loud several times, and it's got a much better ending than the, than the film, which is great. So, and recently, Heavy Metal reprinted it in their Softwoods book in all colour. Yeah. And it was uh, coloured by the Colourist of Watchmen. So, so
0: Higgins coloured it, yeah. Higgins coloured it. Higgins Amazing.
1: Colored, Higgins coloured watchmen and he was paid more for that than we were certainly but, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's where these things that's
0: beautiful mate i really yeah. love that that's great
1: so that was good because yes just think to remember, he doesn't get he doesn't get watchmen royalties yeah really yeah oh, of, of course, course it makes complete sense i mean but, that's I mean, a bit you, of a kick you, you think of watchmen yeah. and he's so much a part of it the yeah he, he really is he, is he really is so strong but yeah he, he doesn't get he doesn't get royalties
0: yeah, you, you may recall that, uh, funnily enough, with Scott from IDW before he was at IDW, one of the things I co-published with Scott on the range of books I that I originally that I worked on back in the day was Thunderbolt Jackson, which was drawn by Dave, and was well, yes. and the art was by John, and that was one of I think of a number of attempts to to dial up John's presence in terms of. If it had hit, he could have been earning some coin out of it. It didn't but hit me. I mean, he also
1: like wrote and drew chunks of the before Watchmen stuff as well. So Yeah, he did least, indeed, he, yeah. But that, as he was pointing out, this is now finally going to get some money for Watchmen. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, so <laughs> and, yeah. He's, and he's a very nice bloke, so I think... Lovely guy. I think for him to to colour that, that must have been a real treat.
1: Oh, my word. I, I, first of all, when he suggested, I thought, well, that will never happen, clearly. And then when I I constantly suggested it, and I sent him a few pages... He said, yeah, absolutely. The difficult thing for him was because that's not how he colours things anymore. He had to break out the old, the old colouring kit because he does everything digitally. And that wouldn't work for this. So he had to go back and then he had to pull out all his pages and his notes to try and get. And then he, what he did, he told me, he dialed it up. So he basically it himself just to, to, to just, just dial up those contrasts and things. To the pages, ah, it was, it's was a beautiful thing to see. If you can find it, it's in, it's in the softwoods edition of heavy metal magazine. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's available and it's a re- the whole thing is quite fun, but that is a particular, yeah, definitely a favorite of mine
0: to see all in color. Mate, um, I, will, from- I, I will check that out for sure. There's okay. no two ways. Okay. That's, that's a, a fine recommendation. I want to, I want to end at the beginning, mate. So do you, do you remember where you and I first met? No, uh, was it UK? It feels like it should be a UK. Uh, you, you're, you're pretty close, but it was actually at San Diego. Okay, it was actually in San Diego. We actually met in America Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and we were introduced by my old friend, John nee. And we were actually, we were actually at one of right, the right. dead dead dog parties.
1: Um, oh, right. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly, I, I know exactly yeah. where you were. And now I remember exactly. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: And we were standing outside the bar because it was a very warm night having a drink. And John we, were nee English people to, we were English people who found each other absolutely correct absolutely correct and what really impressed me about that what re- at the time was the fact that you know I've I've John known very well for a long time it's tremendously nice to my dad whenever my dad has met him see so, yeah as is sandy That's resnick exactly. who's That's another that. very nice guy and 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 what i really loved is cuz you're at the peak of your of your lying in the gutters it in for me at that moment. I thought, <laughs> well, this is very interesting because this cat here, who is publishing a lot of stories about this cat here and the people who work around him, actually get on extremely well and are friends. And to oh, me, yeah. that's that that's the that's the benchmark of a genuine person, you know. So 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 when when John introduced him was extremely positive, I was like, well, this is going to be interesting, you know, because I, I, by that point I was probably a, a couple of years into reading your stuff, yeah. But yeah, that was that was it. I was very impressed by the oh. relationship that you and John have. I I love John a lot. He's a great
1: guy. Yeah. I, it's, I hope he's finding success with whatever he's doing post Marvel kind of stuff. Because well,
0: the thing about John is he was he will always ultimately find success because he's that kind of self-actualizing he's, guy.
1: He's also, I mean, the center the, the of such a genuine and odd wonderful man is that when he was tasked with reducing Marvel's employee count after the pandemic, after the shutdowns. He decided that he, he was going to be one of the his own job was one that he was going to uh, lose. He actually canned himself yes. rather than can another employee or two at Marvel. He decided, right, well, I should get rid of myself then. As yeah. well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's I I I couldn't do that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you could.
0: You and I both know that's a very rare move. It's a very I, rare I, move. It's
1: I was it, it almost feels I can't think of another example, but it just struck me as what an amazing person you are. That's that that's beyond anything I could be. I I can't be that a good a person job yeah. I think so You know, that was one of those moments I thought yeah there we go, go and on. he
0: is that good a person he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a genuinely good guy and I'm sure that whatever he does next will be genuinely interesting oh yeah whether it's within comics or outside of comics absolutely definitely hey, find out. I'll see you. if I find out I'll tell you I'll
1: tell yeah everyone.
0: and vice versa mate for sure 100% <laughs> and thanks for sharing this hour with me mate I've really enjoyed no, it me too me too anytime and thanks for your candour which I really appreciate I don't know anything else I know that I know that brother I know it's good to see you have a wonderful you you have a wonderful rest of your day I will will. look forward to reading that labyrinthine story that you told me about going live later on today I can't wait to see that
1: and everybody else is watching this they can go back a a few weeks and see whenever this goes on well that's what I
0: love about it because it's given whoever (laughs) listens to this podcast uh, an inside the inside track on how your process worked which I think is fascinating absolutely and continued right. success to you, mate. You take Thank care you. of yourself. You too. See you soon, brother. See, Cheers. See, in person in person. In soon. person over drinks. Happened. We'll in make person. it happen. Because Freedom Day, you know, I mean uh, yeah, you know, Of course. That that'll be the point to which we can chart the beginning of the end of mankind and organized civilization. It was Freedom Day is where zombies. it starts. It was uh, then that the
1: zombies began to rise. It, yes, we shall yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sooner rather than later, brother. Take care. Bye bye. you've been listening to Hard Agree this episode was edited by John Horsley and Kenry Regan and our theme music Golden was written and performed for this show by Liverpool's finest band Denio Hard Agree is a production of the Spoilerverse and myself Andrew Sumner